Hello everyone. I wonder how many weddings you have been to recently. Perhaps you have an invitation on the mantelpiece right now or a save the date token on your fridge. I've been to just two since last March. In both cases I was taking the service. But in one case I received a specific invitation to do this rather than it just be another part of my role as a priest. The invitation was made to me by our goddaughter and it was a real surprise and joy to receive the invitation. It made me feel wanted and special and I had a sense that I was important to someone that, to be very frank, I haven't seen very much in the last ten years at all. It is interesting to me that in our postmodern Britain, weddings are still highly popular but also highly expensive. It has been the norm for some time now that a couple will live together for some time before they intend, even though they do intend, to get married, as they save up in order to, as Tom Wright puts it, afford the kind of spectacle they have been led to expect. But even in the areas of the country with a depth of poverty that as a nation we would rather hide under the carpet, so to speak, people still spend thousands of pounds to stage what they feel is most appropriate for their occasion, often creating large debt to do so. Like Tom Wright, I find much of this new custom very sad, with its feeding of consumerism and commercial gain. There's something in those cases about the ceremony itself that seems to be out of keeping with its real meaning. And yet there is still something very profound and true about what it means to be human, made in God's image, male and female coming together in marriage, making promises of faithfulness through thick and thin as a reflection of God's promise to the world, to us as humans and his people. So even if the dress, the photos and the party are more important than any thought of God's involvement, the marriage itself is still a powerful symbol of God's promise. I guess that most of us have heard the story of the wedding at Cana before, the celebration where the quality of wine drunk at the end of the party surprises everyone, well, almost everyone. Jewish weddings in first century days had sort of two parts to them. There was first the betrothal and exchange of vows happening early on and quite privately, really. And then at some later date, the bride would go to the groom's house and then the celebration would take place. The party happens. At the betrothal, <clears throat> the woman was legally married although she still remained in her own father's house. She could not belong to another man unless she was divorced from her betrothed. The wedding meant only that the betrothed woman, accompanied by a colourful procession, was brought from her father's house to the house of her groom, and the legal tie with him was consummated. But this particular wedding at Cana turns out to be extra special. It's the occasion when Jesus first reveals who he is, shows his glory, we might say. It's the first of seven signs that we find in John's Gospel that all point to who Jesus really is for us, if we care to notice. Mary has been invited to this wedding, and Jesus and his friends too. It was potentially a whole village affair. The wine looks to be running out, and Mary talks to Jesus about it. He brushes it off. Not my problem, or words to that effect. But Mary somehow knows he will do something and tells the servants to follow any instructions he might give. The large water jars are standing there. All the servants are asked to do 
is to fill them with water. Quite a task, though, if they're near empty, I would think. And then the miracle happens. It's not a magic trick. It's not something normal people can do. And he doesn't even need any extra ingredients or even time. Just for the servants to do as they are asked. And then his glory, his sovereignty, his lordship and power take over. There is wine. But not just any wine, the very best wine. As Jesus steps into this situation, he does something so profound that it would be easy to miss it. Think for a minute about those water jars. They were used for ceremonial washing, for purification rites. They had a very special and specific purpose, and yet suddenly they become wine dispensers for a party. They instantly have a new purpose. They enable a time of celebration, of joy, of feasting, a wedding party continuing. Again, Jesus is revealing his glory. He comes to bring new purpose, new celebration, new joy. And the wine itself? Even that is another sign of his glory when it's tasted. It's not just any old wine, but the very best. No one saved that till the last. You used it first so that when everyone was tipsy, you could fool them with cheaper stuff. Jesus is telling everyone that he's not second best or even mediocre. He is the best. And this is what he brings to us all. There's another wedding in the Bible that has lots of invitations too, including one for you and for me. And that is the wedding of Jesus to his bride, the church. And Revelation chapter 19 verse 9 is the invitation to it. In chapter 5, as Jackie shared last week, we found ourselves in the throne room with everyone worshipping the one seated on the throne, the one worthy to break open the seal on that scroll. Here in chapter 19, we are back in that throne room again, and everyone is worshipping, and the word they are using is hallelujah. Would it surprise you to know that this so familiar word that we use so often is actually only found in this one chapter in the whole of the New Testament? It is the ancient Hebrew celebration that we find so often in the Psalms of God's glory and sovereignty. And this whole chapter 19 is a great crescendo of praise and acknowledgement of the sovereignty of God as the wedding feast is announced. There's so much metaphor here that it can be really tricky to unpick it all. As we recall teaching from Jesus and Paul and look to later passages in Revelation 2 for some help in working it all out. It would seem that in this moment it is as though the betrothal part of the wedding has taken place. The covenant agreement has been made and the party, like the one at Cana, will happen later. And it's tricky to work out how the invitations work really, as the followers of Jesus constitute both the bride, the church, and the guests at the wedding feast, who are all given fine linen to wear. This clothing reminds me of a part of a passage I often use at weddings from Colossians chapter 3 verses 12 to 14. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. 
and over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. These clothes are the ones that God wants us to wear, the ones that will bring unity and peace to our communities, the ones that will encourage us to point others to who Jesus is because they are his gift to us through faith, not something we wear for our own glorification. We are to wear these clothes as the church too, the bride of Christ, in order to please the bridegroom, the Lamb of God, Jesus himself. I wonder how often we think about this, about how our being compassionate, kind and humble, etc., is not for us but for God. If we do think about that, does it make us any more kind or humble? Or does it make us feel like something of a fraud, perhaps, as we recognise that we enjoy that warm kind of feeling we get when someone praises us for something we have done or said? Who was that action or word for then, really? It's difficult, this, isn't it? And I suspect that's why this whole invitation is found in a time of praise, worship and adoration of God. When our focus is on him and not on ourselves, we can wear the clothes well because they are his gift to us along with our invitation. And that's where John fell down, literally. Verse 9, the angel tells him to write down the fact that those who are invited to the wedding supper are blessed. It's important to do this, he emphasises, by saying that these are the true words of God. In other words, they're not just John's thoughts or ideas that will be important for those who hear or read this in the future to know that this was not just an old man's dream. And then John made his mistake. He saw the messenger as more important than the message. He fell at the feet of the angel and began to worship him. Can you imagine the scene? Perhaps a very embarrassed angel rushing to help John up. Don't do that. I'm just like you. Worship God, not me. It's very easy to get caught up with the messenger rather than the message, isn't it? But the angel is desperate that the message is the most important. This message is a promise of hope that those who will hear or read it to live with a committed confidence in who Jesus is and who they are and what it is that God is offering to them. When I received the invitation to take Hannah and Joseph's wedding in December, it would have been very easy to see myself as very important in the whole event. But actually the invitation was for much more. It was an invitation to see two young people make promises before God about how they were going to live their lives in the future. And even more, a picture of the relationship God has with us as his people promising to be faithful through thick and thin. That message is far more important than the role of messenger that I played on that day. The wedding in Cana is perhaps a picture of the future wedding, the one where the best wine will be served and will not run out, the one where all those things that have spoilt the creation that God made will be wiped out as we read in Revelations chapter 21 and 22, when God and his people will live together as he wipes every tear away. You and I are invited to that wedding. Will we go?
can I invite you to read our Bible readings again. Look out for how the Holy Spirit speaks to you through the words as you read them. Worship God. Hallelujah. For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him the glory. Amen.